0: This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 11. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am Brian Hood, and in case you missed this, I did a live workshop yesterday. I actually did two live online workshops yesterday, and the workshop was titled, How to Make a Living from Your Existing Audio Skills Without the Need for a Fancy Studio or Expensive Gear. If you missed this workshop and you want to see a replay of that, I'm going to have a replay up for the next 48 hours only. You can get to that replay by going to the com slash replay, R-E-P-L-A-Y, and I'm recording this before I actually do the workshops, but I'm just going to say that I'm assuming the workshops both went well. They were both a lot of fun, and the students got a lot out of them. As the time that I record this right now, we have something like 500 people registered for the workshop, and who knows, we may have a thousand people registered by the time I actually go live on Monday. But if you missed it or you want to watch the replay, just go to the slash replay And that'll be up and available to watch for the next 48 hours from the time this episode airs So today's episode is all about increasing your studio's income And I think this is one of my favorite episodes personally. It's good to hear this stuff It's good to get a reminder of all the things that I should be doing because i'm not doing all of the things We talked about today. I have in the past and even today as I do this I'm thinking of things that I need to do in my life right now based on the episode that I just heard This is one of those episodes that takes action on your part this is not a passive episode that you can just simply listen to in your car or listen to while you're doing laundry This one is probably going to take no, you're going to need to take notes You're going to need to write things down So keep that in mind as you get into this But I think no matter what even if you can't write notes down right now You are going to get a lot out of this episode. So here is my conversation with chris graham
1: Brian if you had to sum up for our listeners what their problem is why they're listening to The six-figure home studio podcast in the most condensed shortest possible sentence. What would you
0: say? They need to earn more money I mean, even a six-figure home studio would like to earn more money. There is no Cap on what you would like to earn There's a cap on what you need to earn, but there's no cap on what you would like to earn. So I think this is a good episode to talk about Things you can do To change that things you can do to improve your income to increase Your studio's income In the simplest ways
1: Yeah. And I know I'm like thinking every time we record an episode, I'm thinking back to Chris Graham, myself from 10, 15 years ago and the lies I believed and the unwise things that I thought were true. And immediately 10 years ago, Chris Graham would would have said, you know, 25 year old Chris Graham would have said, oh, it's not about the money. Y'all are sellouts. Y'all are evil human beings. And Chris Graham from 10 years ago didn't have any kids and was a newlywed and uh, was comfortable eating the meagerest of fare. <laughs> and I hadn't really caught on yet that this sort of like make art for a living game is about survival. It's about doing it for a long time and ensuring that you don't go out of business so you can keep doing it. So that when you have the opportunity to work on a really amazing project, that you're there for it. That it wasn't like, oh crap, I'm working at Starbucks or mcdonald's to make ends meet and i'm not available Because I flamed out so this make more money thing. It's not about selling out. It's about longevity How can you stay in the game so that you have the opportunity? To work with somebody when that opportunity knocks
0: Yeah, and just being able to be your own boss to a degree I mean you still have clients who are really your boss, but you don't have a boss breathing down your neck every second of the day Telling you what to do and when to do it It's the freedom of being able to kind of make your own schedule be your own boss and be the captain of your own ship that's the other reason why a lot of people are drawn towards Creating a business out of the passion for audio that they have.
1: Yeah, absolutely And I know for me if you you ask me well, why do you have your own business chris? I would answer in a single word freedom That's it freedom I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it and for me I'm a family man. I got three kids. I got a wife. It's my most it's the most important thing to me And I want to know that I can spend time with them and that when my kids are old They'll think back and say my dad was a good dad. That's what I want in life And that my wife will say my my husband was a good husband and having a business and being in control Of what that looks like affords me that opportunity and I couldn't be any more grateful um, for that freedom so I think what this conversation comes down to how do we make enough money to stay in business Let alone to become a six-figure home studio. We can condense it down to the
0: simplest terms How much do you make per hour? Yep. It's that what is your base hourly pay for every hour you work? No matter what you're working on whether it's audio related or not audio related if it's on your business If it's in your studio, you are working Um, what do you make per hour? What do you sum all of those numbers up? What does it come down to is that hourly pay?
1: Yeah, and I think the really important concept here is it's easy for us that were you know, raised going to public school and watched friends, you know, like we've been conditioned by society to believe that when you run a business, it's similar to a job. And in a job, you show up and no matter how high quality your work is or whatever work that you happen to be doing that day for your job, you make the same amount per hour. When you run a business, it's not like that. Exactly. Every task that you have, has a dollar amount attached to it of how much that task is worth on the free market.
0: And I had this conversation with one of my students one-on-one yesterday. We had a uh, a 20, 30 minute call on Skype and he was in this crossroads where he wanted to quit his day job. That was a full-time 40 hour a week day job. But he has that internal fear of not, you know it's getting away from that steady paycheck. And I had to tell him, okay, that's your day job if you've been out for the last nine years full-time, you know, I'm not going to ask, I didn't ask any specific numbers. I just knew the general numbers of what he earned. And I could get, make a lot of assumptions that he would just nod that I was correct. But he would, I would say that, okay, you've been there nine years. You've probably gotten about a 3% raise per year, which is just right at inflation. But over the last eight years, if you haven't averaged a 3% uh, raise per year, you are actually getting paid the same or less than you got paid eight years ago. Even if the number's higher the value of that money uh, is now lower than what it was eight or nine years ago And so I told him, you know five ten years from now You may be in the same boat where you can go in 40 hours a week You can earn your set 15 20 25 dollars an hour or whatever it is I think it was around probably 15 to 20 an hour And you can always earn that and you'll always have that cap on the top of it You're never going to go above that number. Yeah, but it is that nice safety net But the other side of the coin is if you happen to quit your job and he was actually really good at what he does He had a nice studio had a nice client base that he did on the part-time just a few hours of uh, a night He could actually work on a studio or in a studio and If he went that route and quit his day job To be able to replace that I would say like pretty low as far as studio terms go that pretty low income from his day job It was an insanely low amount of work like three songs per month at the rate that he currently charged So you he, he would have to do to replace anything or maybe four songs a month And when you break it down that way It's not a terrifying thing, but the point I want to get at here is When you have your own business when you are the captain of your own ship There is a very very high number That you have a limit on your hourly pay Especially if you start implementing the things we're going to be talking about today Because it is completely up to you what you make per hour If you're willing to do what it takes to get that number up and that's really what we're going to talk about today is Making the most of every single project you work on to get that hourly pay up So you can if you want to move away from your day job or completely drop your day job and do this full-time Or if you're already doing this full-time the ways that you can make your business more efficient make your income higher per hour So you can either work less and make more And spend more time with your friends and family and doing things you love or at the very least just earn more and put some more Away for a rainy day.
1: Yeah, so I think You know, we have some homework for you guys and I think that this is a really 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 valuable activity and it's very simple Sit down with a pad of paper and write out all the things that you do To make money for your studio.
0: I do an evernote file. I like evernote over a pad and paper, but i'm new school
1: (laughs) Whatever you want to use just make a list. So if you are running a small recording studio, you are setting up microphones You are eqing vocals you are cleaning up microphone cables. You're coiling them up in a specific way and hanging them in specific spots on the
0: wall, right? As we should. For me, the easiest way to do this, by the way, literally just think through a session. Say you are recording an album for a band. What are you doing from start to finish for that entire project? Or even just think about a single. A single is a, a smaller project, but you're doing a lot of the same stuff that you would do for a full length. You're just doing more of it for the full length. What do you do? Like, what are from every single point, from point A to point Z? or Zed, if you're from Canada, what do you do every step of the way? And that includes getting things prepped for the session, getting things coiled up or uncoiled, you know, at the end of the session, coiling up the files, cleaning the bathrooms, getting the, you know, all these little things that really do add up. I really want you to think through every single step of what you do. And if it's not recording, if it's just mixing and mastering or just mastering like Chris, think through it from an A to Z or A to Z (laughs) uh, kind of perspective and think about what you do every single step of the way and continue on Chris so you
1: make this list and then next to each one of these items you need to make a guess about how much that task would pay if it were a full-time job so for example um if you on every session go in and by hand edit out all the silences on the vocals so that there's no background noise say so you prefer how that sounds to using you know a gate or something like that what's that worth
0: on the free market Probably eleven dollars an hour. Oh my god tops. That's yeah tops That's that's very much like if you have basic daw skills You can do that.
1: Yeah. Do you spend five minutes per day coiling mic cables? Well for five minutes you just made minimum wage Yep, do you spend uh, you know, I don't know 15 minutes per week Labeling files. It's a minimum
0: wage job cleaning toilets. Yeah cleaning anything in your house cleaning it up Your pay on that is very minimal.
1: Yeah. So if you guys probably have put this together already, but that list of tasks that you do to get paid, some of those tasks are worth a lot of money per hour. Making a great sounding vocal in the mix, pretty hard to do. It's worth a lot of money. Great sounding drums in the mix, worth a lot of money. Oh yeah. Um, Coaching a vocalist to deliver a heartfelt performance that's unbelievably um, emotional, Hard to do
0: worth a lot of money per hour Keeping people encouraged through the entire project. Yes, you know basically playing psychiatrist for the band Yes,
1: exactly. It's a huge it's most of the job Yeah So if you take a list of all these things that you do and you put an hourly rate next to each one of them If you average it out, it should equal What you make per hour if you did this right it should be pretty close If you want to make more per hour, it's pretty simple You need to cross out things on the list and stop doing them that are minimum wage jobs, and in many cases, minimum wage is generous. There are many tasks that we do that are worth less than the minimum wage. You couldn't pay someone to do them. They're so they're so menial. And in some cases, um, I don't do this, but there are a lot of people who outsource stuff to other countries, and they and people work for less than the minimum wage. So minimum wage is not even a relevant term here. But for most of us, minimum wage is a great place to start to say, oh, when I coil up my cables or when I sweep the entire
0: studio or when I- um," Well, when you think about less than minimum wage, what do you think interns do? Interns are unpaid people to do that sort of stuff, which I'm not gonna argue on whether or not that's fair or something you should do. I'm just saying that that is something that interns have done for ages now.
1: Yeah, so a good example me and Brian were joking about before the podcast was phase alignment of drums. For any of you guys that have ever done this, it's it's pretty tedious work. It's so tedious. To get the drums, the drum mics
0: phase aligned. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. Even worse is phase aligning MIDI. That's the, the worst. worst. MIDI with drum mics. That's the worst thing in the world, but yeah.
1: Yeah, so that's a great example. Aligning MIDI with, if you're going to, you know, trigger samples for your drums to hit it just the right spot so that you don't get weird phasing issues, phasing yeah. issues uh, on different drum hits. So like something like this, you have to understand that, Everything that you do has a number value attached to it, how much it's worth, and all the things that you do averages out to your hourly income. If you want to do this for the long term, you can't do it on $12 per hour average income. Nope. Can't possibly stay in business long enough to make a career out of this. So you need to make a list of these things and start crossing things out by either eliminating them,
0: delegating them, or automating them. And before we get into this, I also want you to, to, to challenge yourself with this. I know a lot of you, especially those of you that have a day rate or a, a flat per song rate, you look at, let's look at a flat per song rate. You say I charge $500 a song to fully produce, edit, track, mix, master a song. Um, that's a low rate to me, but that's some some people are around that rate. So I'm just using that for this example because it's easy math. So you charge $500 per song to fully produce a band in your studio from start to finish. Well, you start thinking through the project and you're thinking that, okay, so we get the drums set up and then we record drums and then we edit drums and then we do uh, maybe bass next and then guitar or vice versa. And then we move to vocals and then we'll be editing things up and I'll do pitch correction. And then the project's more or less done after I start mixing and mastering. And then we do revisions and then we're done. Well, the, the problem with that is that's not all your work. That's maybe th- all you think you do But realistically when you own your own business when you are the business owner there is so much more that you are responsible for outside of the actual projects you're working on and these are things you're Really getting paid zero dollars an hour for but they're worth some amount of money some are high value some are not So for example, it would be all of the things working on your business that we talked about In past episodes working in your business versus working on your business Working in your business is that five hundred dollars per song that you're getting from this artist where you're working in your business Recording editing mixing mastering but working on your business. No one's paying you for that That is what I would consider unpaid work although there is a huge advantage to doing that, but these are all things you have to account into the amount of time you're spending with your business. So I say all this to say, you may think you're getting X amount per hour when you're working eight hour days. So you work eight hours in a day to do this $500, Whatever 500 divided by eight is that's what you think your hourly pay is but realistically it's not Because you're doing all this back and forth email exchange for all these projects doing your follow-ups If you're doing any sort of paid advertising managing those campaigns setting those campaigns up getting the ads for that Getting the cre- the copy done for that if you're doing any sort of cleaning for your place If you're doing any sort of taxes if you're doing your bookkeeping All of these things are things that you're responsible for and it really does add up to a lot of time at the end of the day And you really have to think through every single one of these tasks and come up with a value for what it is really worth on the free market. Not necessarily what uh, someone would get paid full-time doing it for, but what is the free market value of this if I were to get rid of this to someone else?
1: Yeah, so I think this conversation is tough. This is a tough thing for me to keep my ego in check and to say, you know, I believe that nobody can do the things that I do as well as I can, so I could never teach anybody. It's something I constantly battle with and it's a big struggle for me. But there's another issue at play here And that issue is a cultural one in our field of work And that is that the only true awesome people Do it all And so brian question for you. Yeah, we got bob and steve two fictional characters. Bob is pretty good at. Can we call the second guy russ? Okay, bob and russ. Thanks (laughs) bob and russ (laughs) both run home studios bob He's pretty good at everything you need to do to run a home studio he edits he mixes he masters he's even a really good janitor and he keeps that studio spick and span Mm. that's that's bob russ on the other i changed my mind we're doing winston okay winston (laughs) winston (laughs) also owns a home studio and he sounds pretty smart based on his name winston is extremely good at teaching
0: other people
1: how to do some of the things he does who do you respect more
0: I respect them both because bob did do a lot to learn all of the things that he's great at And it does take a very talented person to do that But I have to respect winston more because he understands <laughs> What it takes to be successful and you're going to explain why that is.
1: Yeah, so there's a great story Um that I love about a clockmaker and the story goes that a long long time ago hundreds of years ago There was a guy who had this amazing ability and you could walk up to him on the street and you could say, uh, Rutherford. We're going to call him Rutherford. What time is it? And Rutherford would look up in the sky. He'd look at the sun and he'd say, 3.14 and 17 seconds. He could look at the sun and tell you exactly what time it was. What? So Rutherford was the man. He was a pretty popular guy. Rutherford had a friend named Bob. Bob, on the other hand, figured out how to make sundials. And he would manufacture sundials and he'd sell them to people and you could look at one of bob's sundials and you could tell what time it was Now on its face rutherford this guy that can look at the sun and tell the time that's pretty impressive he's awesome however Bob the sundial maker Is making a bigger impact and is making way more money and should deserve our respect far more So we need to think about do you want to be this magical character that can tell the time Or do you want to master this meta skill, which is to find a way to multiply your work? So this is something, you know, I'm preaching to myself right here. I need to understand this on a deeper level. I know that this wasn't taught in school and that I had to read this in books and that there is deep, deep wisdom in this idea of it's more respectable to be a multiplier than it is to have a really great technical skill.
0: And so kind of tying it back to that story, which I'm not going to get into the fact that you used Bob for the dumb character in one story and the smart character in the other story. We're going to get past that because that's not confusing at all. But what <laughs> I will say is unpacking this story is that Winston Ford <laughs> I don't even know. Just forget the names, forget the names. This guy who could look up in the sun and tell the exact time, although very impressive, you're you're saying that you know, although it takes some sort of magical talent to be able to do that, you're saying the person who was able to train others to be able to use the sun to determine the time, yeah. the guy who could create something, a system actually, or a piece of hardware that enables everyone to be able to look at the shadow on this sundial and say, this is the exact time it is. That's the person who's making the bigger impact. So tying that back to the home studio, you're basically saying the person that can do everything, that can be the, Magical person that makes everything happen in the studio is that person that can look at the sun and say hey It's exactly this time and the person who is able to train up others around him or train others to uh, be capable of doing Some of these other tasks that we're going to get into actually or specifically we're talking about outsourcing now realistically, yeah or enabling others to do what it is that Maybe you're not great at doing or maybe you shouldn't be doing because there are higher value tasks for you to do That is the person who made the sundial the person that is enabling some other some other person to take care of those things That is how we're kind of tying this together. I assume you're
1: yeah absolutely So I know what probably a lot of you are thinking. Nah, I, I barely make any money. I can't afford to outsource I can't afford to hire anybody. Yep Well, you might not make any money because you don't outsource Yeah further Not all of the things that you can do to outsource involve you losing money to hire people some of the things involve Outsourcing to your clients some of the things means Asking your clients to fill out a form rather than to just facebook message you um i've mentioned this on the podcast in the past but when I On my mastering website started asking clients when they uploaded, you know 10 songs for an album to label each file for each song with the track number that changed my life because I no longer had to go back and forth with the client Asking for clarifications on they they get they sent me a song order with song names But the file names didn't reflect the song names and how do I figure out what Yeah, because you
0: just have working titles when you're writing These songs and then they don't match the final yeah titles of the songs and then it's a whole Mess trying to get that sorted out. So to kind of bring this back to That original list that you have created in evernote or if you're old school your pen and paper, whatever that is You've created this list of all the things that you were responsible for in your studio every single thing anything you do And you've tried to at least guesstimate the value of what that is worth to the free market as best you can And now we're looking at this list and we're saying okay in chris's case He's looked at this list and he said, okay So it takes me a lot of time because he works with a lot of projects It's taken him a lot of time to write the song titles or at least find the song titles for Um, Each of these songs and getting them in order so that I master the songs in the right order so that they flow well. Yep. So One way of looking at it is okay This is a very low value task obviously because all it takes is an email to the artist and say hey What is the actual song order in relation to these working titles you gave me? And then there's some back and forth and then you're going back and changing the names on the files and maybe reordering it in your daw You could hire an assistant for that and that's very low value tasks Uh that you would have to do that's one way of looking at it, but then you're paying them to do that And what chris is saying here is Instead of paying someone else to do this He's getting the client to do it in the first place by putting systems into place that basically automate the task Yeah He's putting it into place where when they book time they book studio time with him or they pay for it They then fill out a form and it specifies give me the exact song title and order for these tracks Yeah, that's that's exactly it and there's a huge number of things that
1: you can do like that in any business that you know perfect example is uh, there's a really great drive a like gas station restaurant In the cleveland, ohio area called sheets. Oh, I love sheets so much for years You walk into a sheets and you walk up to a computer terminal And you build your own sandwich by selecting the options on the screen and then someone in the back Makes the exact sandwich that you ordered and you pay right at the terminal. It's amazing Sheets is outsourcing some of the work to their customers so that's one way that you can begin to outsource without paying someone to do it. If you're really, really hurting for money and you need to jumpstart your business without hiring an assistant, um, you can do it that way. Another way that, that's obvious and a lot of people do is interns. I like to joke that you know I am in my hand holding a pen. If I walk outside in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I am, and I throw that pen, it's going to hit somebody who majored in audio production In college who doesn't have a job in audio production It's not hard to find people that have a degree or a passion Or a technical school degree for this sort of stuff who are looking for employment and who are willing to work for peanuts Because there's so many of them.
0: I had an intern from belmont. He was great kid He came to me wanting to be an intern for me and I have never taken on interns before that and honestly, I hadn't taken on since that because I didn't have this list together the list that we just talked about you writing And if I would have had that list together of all the things if I'd have really thought through and brain dumped all of the things that I do On a project and that i'm responsible for in my studio And it started just circling the ones that he could have done that he was capable of doing himself at the skill level that he had He would have been a a lot more busy b He would have probably gotten more out of the internship and c I would have probably earned more at the end of the day because I would be doing a lot less stuff I would be focused more on the high value tasks. And if I didn't earn more I would at least have a better quality product at the end of the day. Yeah So you can
1: delegate to a paid person you can delegate to an intern or you can delegate to your customer So these are all really 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 interesting things and they've had a huge impact on me Um, Customers I think like it when you delegate stuff to them if it gives them more control You know, it helps them be more involved in the process and it keeps the process from getting slowed down So all these things are really really great But the big thing you need to understand is that when you have issues like this when you're wasting time Because something could either be eliminated Delegated or automated in your business that would remove one of these Terrible minimum wage or less items from your list of things that you do every year or every day even To remove those things you have to go through a curve productivity curve and and what I think that means what it means to me Is that you have to have a little bit of time where you're working on your business making no money As a result of spending the time to build the system or make the form or teach the intern As a result of doing that you don't make money for just a little bit as you invest in that system But as a result immediately after that your hourly rate goes up It might only go up 10 cents an hour or might go up five cents an hour But you are empowered to give yourself a raise by removing These less than minimum wage tasks from your list of things that you do If you want to make more per hour You have to remove things that make less than what you want to per hour from your list of things that you do I don't care what business you're in You have to do that
0: before we get into the podcast today. Let me tell you a little something crazy about myself I'm, actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should, and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business, and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere Because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com coach. That's the number six figure creative.com slash coach now here's our show I'll also make a point here. I've mentioned this on the podcast in the past, but When we talk about eliminating things Sometimes it could be entire income streams from your studio that you are eliminating Because they are below what your hourly worth is And instead of hiring it out instead of trying to systemize it or automate it or hire interns You may be better off just cutting it out from your business altogether period because every single thing you try to do in your business is a distraction to what it is If it's not exactly what you're best at and what you what would push the needle forward It's a distraction to the thing that is going to push the needle forward so in my own studio in 2015 I had decided or I discovered that 60% of my income What was it? 70% of my income came from mixing work 30% of my income came from tracking and editing But the reverse was true. Although 70% of my income came from mixing 30% of my time was spent doing that And so what I decided to do was Just completely remove Tracking and editing from the services that I offer I stopped letting bands come into my studio live with me for five weeks record with me have me edit everything and that cut out an entire forty, fifty thousand dollar a year revenue stream for my studio Which sounds ridiculous, but at the end of the day I was able to save so much time On a week-to-week basis literally cutting out 30 40 hours a week from my workload my 70 hour a week workload and then allocate that time into other areas Some of it was spent just enjoying my life a little bit more a lot of it was spent building other revenue streams like in real estate and in my uh courses and stuff a lot of that time is also spent increasing my workload for mixing for 2015 16 17 um I've cut back on a little bit more recently now so I can focus on what i'm doing with a six-figure home studio but all of this to say I would be so much further behind than where I am now Had I not decided to just cut that out completely say i'm done recording bands and focus on mixing and mastering And only mixing and mastering for a lot of that time Man
1: That's awesome And I get excited when I hear you talk about that because it's not just taking that list And cutting out all the minimum wage things Sometimes it might be crossing out the second highest paying gig That you continually do on that list and recognizing I spend 80% of my time doing this particular task, but I only make 20% of my income doing that. So I'm going to remove that from my list, even though I'm making a lot of money off of that so I can focus on something that's better.
0: Yeah, I mean, that revenue stream I cut out, I was making $40 an hour or so doing what I was doing, but I still had to cut it out because it was less than what I could be earning. Yeah, so a big thing I like to think about here is this concept of your calling, What were
1: you made to do? And when you're, you probably weren't made to be a
0: multitasking, stressed out, unhealthy studio owner. That was honestly, that was me. That was my most stressed out years of my life was tracking and editing and lodging bands. I should throw that in there because that was a huge part of it. It was the most stressed out time. That's where, you know, 2011, we already talked about in the podcast, the depressive time. That was, a lot of that was tied to the workload with that. That was my most, uh, I would just say high strung, My attitude was all-time worst. I would say like the improvement I've had on my like outlook on life and just overall attitude and, and how I treat others has risen exponentially since 2015 when I recorded my last band.
1: Yeah, so I think a great place to bring this to is make the list, write out all the things that you do. And I would say there's a couple interesting pieces of information you need to know for each job. One, what do you make per hour doing it? Two, what percentage of your time does it use up? Three, can it be eliminated, delegated, or automated? And four, I think there's there's this really important thing that we haven't talked about yet: is does it give you life?
0: Yeah, I was going to say that. How much do you enjoy it?
1: Yeah, and I know for me, you know, my story is really similar. I was producing, you know, ten years ago or so. I was producing, mixing, editing. I was the all singing, all dancing singer songwriter producer. And what I found was that I. Loved mastering. It was the most fun thing that I did and so In addition to the fact that I was being paid better when I mastered Um, it was a pretty easy decision to say. Well, I like this It's fun. Um, it gives me life. It's fascinating And it pays better. Okay. Well, i'm in order to have more time to focus on mastering I'm going to stop accepting mixing projects or i'm going to stop accepting tracking projects so Man, these are all important things If just make the list and get an idea of how is your time broken down What's pulling you down? What's keeping you from making more and the only way you're going to move forward is crossing things out on that list either by delegation automation or elimination
0: one thing with that is There's not always going to be a crossover between the things you really like to do and the things you should be doing because i'll use an example drum editing I Had this weird love of drum editing. I actually (laughs) liked drum editing. You psychopath. I I was good at it It was therapeutic to me for some weird reason Because I 80% of the time I could be listening to a podcast or listening to music And kind of just zone out to this meditative state But at the end of the day I can hire someone at 15 bucks an hour to do that As good as as good or better than I can do it myself So there's there's literally no reason for me to do it I don't enjoy it so much that i'm going to go out of my way to earn 15 dollars an hour to do that That's just ridiculous So you have to kind of balance the other things that you're looking at within uh, what we just went over there is Yeah, you may enjoy it and yeah, it may give you life a little bit But at the end of the day you shouldn't be doing some of these things on that list So I there's an exercise that I stole from a guy named chris ducker. I like him. Yeah, I like him too He has this thing called the three lists of freedom You can kind of run your own list through these this criteria, but The first list is the things you hate to do That's the things that you know Just a list of things you hate to do the second list is the things you are not good at doing And the third list is the things that you know, you shouldn't be doing Those are the three lists of freedom and sometimes you'll have the same thing on all three lists but That's the list you start on to really start getting rid of some of these tasks either delegating eliminating or automating yeah
1: well I think, you know, we're going to kind of take a hard curve here real quick. I think one of the other things that we can do that we haven't talked about is when you're trying to earn more per hour, one of the big ideas here is providing a more valuable service. How can you up the value that you provide to the client without taking a hit on, oh my gosh, I have to spend all my money on outsourcing. So let me tell you a little story. One of the things that I used to do when I was producing and let me just kind of bring up I had no idea what I was doing as a producer I was I didn't know I was so bad at it until I hadn't done it for like five years But one of the things that I did that was actually decent is when I was trying to win a customer I would do research on that customer. I'd ask them about their favorite bands and their favorite artists and then what I would do Is I would figure out what musicians played on their favorite records What bass player played on their record what drummer played on their favorite record And then I would reach out uh, through my friends or through, you know, cold call or through, you know, whatever. I would find a way to get in touch with musicians that played on some of their favorite records. And I'd reach out and say, hey, how much would you cost for me to send you some songs to record on? So there was one guy in particular so just to clarify this is done remotely not just people in your city a little bit of both So sometimes I we would go down to you know, say nashville and
0: we'd book a nice studio and we'd hire studio musicians Yeah, I was just thinking i'm like i'm in nashville. And this is a great city for that sort of thing
1: Yeah, I would I would recruit the dream team and we'd go to a studio and we'd record tracks There was a guy who plays organs <laughs> There was a guy who plays the organ for Paul mccartney his name is gabe dixon He has this band called gabe dixon band. He's unbelievable. I had a client who was obsessed with gabe dixon So I figured out how to get a hold of gabe dixon And I asked gabe dixon how much it would cost for him to record Hammond organ parts remotely for us and it was really reasonable It was well within my client's budget And when I pitched hey, we should record a record together and oh by the way What would you say if I if I told you we could get gabe dixon to play hammond organ? The client lost their mind. They went nuts. Oh, you're hired. Absolutely. Let's do it So (laughs) here's the thing i'm upping the quality of my final product I'm upping the value i'm providing and i'm also presenting my client with a dream scenario And how much work was that for you? It was minimal work for you to do that Almost none. I mean gabe was so unbelievable. Like I barely had to mix the stuff I mean it just came back as these files. He sent us three takes and we were like, uh, can we just leave all three of them on like <laughs> this is awesome Um, so we picked a take um, and we sort of comped them together a little bit and uh, that was it I think I might have put a little bit of reverb on it I bet you know, it was barely any work at all But the client lost their mind for it because the tracks were unbelievable There is such an amazing opportunity to outsource And deliver a higher level of quality today than there ever has been in history It's really 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 easy to find great studio musicians who will record tracks remotely for you for peanuts Really really easy and a call to one of me and brian's good friends dane of customtracks.com. There's a uh, custom Dash tracks.com custom dash com. It's he has a bunch of studio musicians and you call him up and he brings the musicians in and they send you back the tracks But a bing ba boom It sounds like if you live in the middle of nowhere and there are no decent musicians You can get decent musicians very easily There are many 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 places where you can get any World-class musician to play any instrument that you can think of for a pretty low price So if you're the type of guy who really buys into this lie that well, you're not a ninja in the studio You don't deserve respect unless you can do it all and that's why I play drums guitar and bass and program synth and all that stuff on all my clients records. Why? Why? It's so easy to find people better than you at something there's no way that you are the best in the world at Every single
0: thing chances are you're mediocre at all of it except maybe one thing.
1: Yeah And here's the thing when you start to cross these things off your list like these studio musicians have You can get freaky good at something when you only do one thing for ten thousand hours You become a freak at it You become it's impossible to imagine how much better you could be if you only did one thing for ten thousand hours You can do some superhuman stuff So that's one of the things to think about too is you're trying to up the value that you deliver to clients One of the ways to do that Is to delegate even the musicianship To world-class players and to create that experience for your clients by assembling a good team back in the day what a producer did was assemble a team of amazing musicians. And yeah, look at Motown. Look at Motown. Barry Gordy, most successful producer of all time. What he did better than anybody else was he assembled
0: a team. Owner of the first six-figure home studio.
1: Yeah. Seven-figure. I mean, honestly, he was making bank. Probably eight at this point. Like He's a freak. But what one of the things that he could do better than you and way better than me and way better than Brian Hood was he could assemble a team- created that had, they had a system of like they would literally walk down to the high school They'd find a high school kid that they thought had potential and they would train them All the way from start to finish on how to be a rock star
0: That's how diana ross got started We need to throw this book recommendation in here because you're the one you're the one that got me on that book Yeah, there's
1: an autobiography by barry. Um of barry gordy the guy that founded motown. It's called to be loved you want to read like about a killer home studio guy who Took an $800 loan and turned it into the most successful music empire ever. Yeah, 100 plus million dollar empire. Yeah, I mean easily and not only that you got to keep in mind he was black in the 1960s. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. He took over white radio. He's amazing. He's my freaking hero. It's insane how he did it too. Yeah, so but he built a team and that's you know, these people that build these amazing businesses. Yes, they're good technicians. Yes, barry gordy did some mixing behind the board and he was pretty good at it But more importantly If he had a list of all the things that he did to make money the thing that made him the most money wasn't engineering a record Wasn't plugging in microphones It wasn't selecting the correct preamp to get the most beautiful timbre out of a vocalist god. No It was building a team and outsourcing and training people up so that he had a machine That created
0: awesome products yeah, that was his sundial. Yeah, that was his sundial. Oh, bringing it back home with the sundial. Love it. I think it's a good place to start wrapping this up and kind of giving some actionables on different things you could consider outsourcing and maybe touch on some specifics on each of these things, uh, if it makes sense. But at least giving them a list of things to consider removing from your life.
1: Um, here's some ideas on things you could outsource right away. If you are a good producer, but not a great mix engineer, and you know it, You might think about outsourcing mixing a great way to do that is to take one song and to talk various mixers Into doing a free or very cheap mixing sample Maybe not even of the whole song to get an idea of which one you like the most
0: I will say that I don't ever do those (laughs) when people come to me I'm i'm adamant about not doing test mixes unless it's for a like a big label project But there are people that are willing to do it. And if you can find those people it is a way to Show an artist. Hey, this is what it could sound like if you're willing to pay this person's fee and it's nothing out of your pocket All you're doing is sending out a song to someone For a free test mix if someone's willing to do it and they're going to send you back the test mix The artist is going to hear how good it could be and then It's up to the artist to pay that fee if they want to do it
1: Yeah, and you up your quality you get a better sounding final product and every client that you have in the future You will have had Because you you had delivered a better product to your last client. It's a big deal. Absolutely. So number two here This is a huge one. It's easy editing, you are a good enough teacher to teach someone how to edit audio just as well as you can. Editing audio is pretty easy, most of the time. Unless you're doing extremely crazy vocal comping or extremely
0: crazy drum editing. Yeah, in the metal world, it can be the case.
1: Yeah, which it can be the case. So this, you know, none of these are blanket statements, but there's probably someone within walking distance of where you are right now, who would be willing to learn from you and do it for either free or minimum wage. So true. So true Number three vocal comping pinch editing The vocals obviously are the heart of any song that has vocals it can be murder to go through and do auto tuning and You know comping and all this stuff and alignment. Yeah, and alignment. There are tons of people who do this for a living and if you're spending 30 hours a song doing this sort of stuff I know a lot of people that spend inordinate amounts of time doing this It's probably not the thing that you were created to do.
0: Yeah, you're either great at this or you're not Even if you are great at this you may not be fast at it I was one of the people that it was actually very good at this But I was very slow at this. It would take me Six plus hours to do one song if there was a lot of vocal tracks and a lot of stuff going on and it's because I'm very slow at it. And so, if you look at people who do this for a living, they've put their 10,000 hours in. They do vocal comping, pitch correction, vocal alignment, everything. They're able to do it 10 times faster than you because that's all they do. They're able to charge a reasonable rate. Say, I'm not going to give exact specifics because it's going to vary from person to person to person. And you can find someone who can do it at a reasonable price. That's the only thing that matters a reasonable price and do it as good or better than you Even if you are already great at it So you need to start getting rid of some of these things that you're stuck on doing because you think that you're the only one That can do it and that's one of the biggest things that I, hurdles that I had to get over was Thinking that only I can do it as good as I can do it. No one else can do it as good as me That's that's the biggest lie by far that we tell ourselves When it comes to getting rid of some of these tasks is that no one can do it as good as I can And I promise you there are people that are better than you at everything you do.
1: Yeah well, specifically it's not a slight on anyone's ability if anyone niches down and only does one thing And you haven't been doing only one thing There's an almost
0: 100 percent chance that they're better at it than you are and kind of going back to the barry gordy conversation He was a decent songwriter and he had some hits that he had written but his big thing was putting the team together And so what he had done is found all of these people who are fantastic at exactly what he needed Especially once he got to the bigger level I mean, there's a huge difference between running a six-figure home studio and a hundred and fifty million dollar company Like there is a huge difference in the skill set you need to do those two things And he was great at both of those because he built a team at all these levels when he got to the hundred million dollar corporate level He started hiring in the cfo you know all of the people that are going to help run an organization of that level He knew how to build the team and he was great at leading the team And that's ultimately what got him to where he was And so when you start looking at your business as you're the ceo of your studio You get that mindset and you stop thinking about Okay, i'm going to pitch correct this and then i'm going to edit this and then i'm going to comp this and then i'm going to do this and i'm going to help the set band right and then i'm going to lodge the band You can start you can still do a lot of these things if you want But at the end of the day if someone is a better team builder if someone makes use of these Individual specialists who are incredible at their one thing You're going to have a much better product at the end of the day You're going to have much less headaches at the end of the day And you're going to have probably a much bigger business at the end of the day than the person who does literally everything So let's continue on this list here
1: chris. Absolutely. So drum editing is a great one. Um drum editing Is super time consuming. Yep, but it's also very easy to teach Very easy to teach there are a lot of drummers out there who would absolutely love to make a little bit of money on the side
0: by doing drum editing. That's something someone can do on tour. A touring artist, tour, a touring musician who understands Pro Tools or a DAW, a general DAW, they can do drum editing on the road and they'll be happy to earn money from their laptop in their van while they're not doing anything else.
1: Yeah, and that's a, that's a big thing. That's one of the things I used to do. There was a guy named Ben Shive who I hired to play keyboards on a record. And Ben Shive had a little MIDI keyboard plugged into his laptop and he did the tracks for the record while riding in the back of a van in between shows. And he did a great job. They were incredible keyboard parts.
0: With a little tiny MIDI keyboard and the stuff you have today as far as sample libraries. Yeah. There's an incredible amount of stuff you can do with just those two things.
1: Yeah. So that's a big thing to keep in mind here is that for many people in this industry, they get paid a lot at night to perform and they don't make jack squat during the day. They're riding in a van from show to show to show, and they are would be wicked pumped if you reached out to them and asked them, hey, can you plug your bass into a little interface and record bass parts while you're driving down I-75? <laughs> you know? They're going to do it for nothing. It'll be so cheap. Yeah. And they're going to do a lot better than your buddy Steve, who bought a bass at a pawn shop two years ago. <laughs> that sounds oddly specific, Chris. <laughs>
0: Maybe that might be related to a a real uh a real experience I had All right. So let's go on down this list here. Now. Let's move to number five, which is mix prep This is something that I hold near and dear to my heart Because and i've talked about this in the past when you set up a mix project Or when you mix a song from start to finish mixing and mastering If you walk through that exercise that I talked about when you're thinking through from start to finish What do you do with the bands in the studio? When you think about this through the lens of mixing and mastering 80 plus percent Of the project is what I would consider non-creative tasks when it comes to mixing and mastering amen and If you can Systemize create a checklist of exactly what you want done the exact way you want it done and then hand that off to an assistant I pay my assistant thirty dollars an hour, which I think is a very fair rate I could probably get it cheaper than that, but I don't I'm not trying to get the cheapest person in the world I'm trying to get someone that I can trust that I don't have to handhold and check every single thing that they do I know they're gonna do it the way I wanted to do it 30 bucks an hour is a great price to pay for that and he earns a decent amount of money doing that But he does a ton of the work for me when it comes to the non-creative repetitive what I would consider boring tasks He'll do it, you know after work at night He has a day job. he will do it after work and then I can open up the session and all I have to do is mix I don't have to do all this bs that just wastes time And so mix prep is a great way to save a ton of time If you're the type of person that does mixing and mastering It's a ton of time wasted on just basic monotonous low-value tasks. So Mix prep easy thing to outsource.
1: Yeah, I just think the way that you do that's super impressive and it's really cool that you have found a way to have consistency so that when you show up to mix that you know that the vocal track is going to be a certain color and it's going to be called a certain name. Oh yeah. That the your go-to chain of plugins or whatever is already on that vocal. My starting point is there and all I have to do is is determine where I want to go from there. Yep. Yeah, dial it in. That's amazing.
0: So number six is business related stuff. There's a million of these. We're not going to cover all of them just for brevity's sake, but when it comes to your business, I talked about, yes, you're getting paid 500 a song to do full production, mixing, mastering, editing, tracking, whatever. But the thing that's going to drive your hourly worth down more than anything is all this miscellaneous business stuff that you have to do That is very uh, important I'm, not going to say it's going to drag your numbers down But it's going to bring it down lower than what you think it is because taxes you have to do taxes at the end of the year You have to do your bookkeeping you have to do um, If you're doing advertising, we already talked about all these different areas I promise you no matter what it is There is a specialist who does this already a cpa my cpa does my taxes for me um, I have software that basically automates my bookkeeping I have an assistant that does all of my email management And so my workload in these areas that I consider not my specialty My workload is greatly reduced thus allowing me to focus on only the things that brian hood does. Well I don't like referring myself in third person, but I just did (laughs) This is what you made me do chris But you see what i'm saying is there's there's a lot of different areas that you can outsource in the business related aspects And this is kind of stuff you have to determine on your own because It just opens up a whole world of opportunities Yeah, and the point here is
1: that you can then focus on your calling you can focus on the one thing That you do better than anybody else by getting rid of the stuff that you don't need to do So the last item as far as outsourcing goes is near and dear to my heart and i'm going to be Painfully direct on this one for you guys Is mastering Most hits that you've heard on the radio in most genres for the past 50 years were not mixed and mastered by the same guy They were mixed by someone and mastered by somebody else
0: Yeah, my genre is that weird One genre where it's a little different where you see most a lot of guys mixing and mastering the same track It's actually moving away from that though. I will say that so well the the big way that you can outsource mastering and you know I'm gonna pitch you guys here
1: on something is you can have what's called a mastering contest. Many mastering engineers will give you one free sample, including me. And basically what that looks like is you send them one song, they master a portion of it for free and you see what you think. And um, so I just got off the phone with somebody um, who is editing our podcast right now, (laughs) who sent me a song to see what it would sound like. And he had been mastering it himself and I mastered a sample and sent it back And he was pretty surprised that it sounded so much better than what he thought it could sound like So if you are thinking about outsourcing mastering the best thing to do is to have a mastering contest And all you need to do is find a couple people that you think might be able to master better than you can And send them all the same song Get the songs back from them mastered and compare the results That's it winner take all. Yeah, it's really easy It's free in most cases and you get a good idea of either a are you already really good at mastering and you don't need help with that or b Holy crap Mastering engineer c was way better than everybody else and way better than me and oh my gosh, I can afford him So the other big thing here is and I tell everyone to do this is if you produce lots of artists Never feel bad Sending a song from an artist to me for a free sample. I'll do a free sample One free sample for every artist. So I have producers that'll send me a sample every couple weeks. I'll send it back. They'll show their artists and their artists will say, oh my gosh, I will absolutely spring for mastering. I'll take care of this. I'll pay for it. And
0: so it's not coming out of the producer's pocket. It's coming out of the artist's pocket. We talked about that earlier. We talked about where with the mixing contest, it's the same with the mastering contest. You send it out to several people. You give it to the artist. They have heard, oh my gosh, this is so much better than I thought. And then it's like, okay for x amount more you can have that and they're the ones paying for it It's not out of your pocket. So that's one way to add value to the project without it coming out of your own pocket
1: Yeah, it's huge and the big thing about mastering that makes it really unique is it affects every single thing that you did It's the last stage before the song gets released So good mastering has the ability to amplify quite literally but also figuratively The quality of the entire song and the big thing to keep in mind there is if you aren't good at mastering or you're mediocre at it, when you try to get a new client, you're gonna show them the last project you worked on, right? Check out the song I mixed and mastered for this guy. If it sounds worse than it could, you will be able to charge less. Not only that, you have less chance of winning that customer. So mastering contests are just this easy, super-duper low-hanging fruit as far as outsourcing because it's really easy to figure out what kind of quality it will bring to the table And when you show an artist at least in my experience when you show an artist a good master When they've only been listening to the mix and maybe a test master Most artists are at that point are like, oh my gosh, we're almost done. This sounds beautiful I will absolutely spring for it. So if you're thinking about doing a mastering contest Here's my hard ask check out chrisgrammastering.com c-h-r-a-s-g-r-a-h-a-m Mastering um, and there's a big old before and after player there So you can hear before and after samples of my work and there's a big old red button And if you click it, it'll walk you through how to send me a song and i'll master a sample
0: for free And like I said before this is all about building your team if you have a Good mixing engineer in your pocket if you're not great at it If you have a good mastering engineer in your pocket if you're not great at it If you're only focused on the one thing that you do better than anyone else Or at least better than the people in your immediate area or your immediate competitors and you're working towards being the best in the country at that then focus on Eliminating the things that you're not great at by finding a team That will do it great. So chris graham good guy to add to your team. I think for sure
1: Well, and back to the barry gordy conversation
0: You know, you think about barry gordy's
1: ability to build a team You know, like he's if we could get him as a guest on this podcast Well, it's probably the best guy in the world we could get Um, but you think about barry gordy's team and there's one guy that jumps out in particular and it's this bass player named james jamerson When you think of the signature bass lines in a motown song, you're probably thinking of james jamerson He was instrumental to barry gordy building the motown dynasty And if you remove james jamerson from motown motown's totally different Totally different so that building a team thing you can find people That become an instrumental part of your team and when you've got five or six or 10 or 15 or 50 People that are all part of your team that all do one thing better than anybody else on earth That you've been able to find or that do it with better chemistry With each other there's room for magic there.
0: Yeah There was probably one or two songwriters that were accountable for 80 percent of his hits. It's true And if he didn't have those one or two songwriters the songs, you know and love from motown era Would not exist. Yeah, and it's the same thing when you
1: think about Out in california in the 60s the bands that were playing on the beach boys record same thing Someone built an amazing team and there were specific musicians specific mix engineers that crafted quote-unquote the sound And that became the product that took over the world Anytime that you look at a revolution in music It wasn't one guy. It was a team If you are trying to do this on your own and be the guy and feel respected And feel, you know, like you're the man It's an uphill battle and it's probably not going to work unless you are a one in a billion genius The more important skill here is to be a clock builder Not to be able to look at the sun and tell time, but to be able to build sundials and to build this team and to create systems and lower the bar so that many people can work together to make something
0: awesome. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I don't know about you, but I got a ton from this episode. There are things that light bulbs that went off in my head when listening back to this episode. And I know that hopefully you had those light bulb moments as well. Just one final reminder if you missed the workshop the live workshop I did yesterday and you want to watch the replay It is important that you go to the sixfigurehomestudiocom slash replay r-e-p-l-a-y Within the next 48 hours after that we're taking the replay down You only have 48 hours to watch the replay if you want to watch that And again, the workshop title was how to make a living from your existing audio skills without the need for a fancy studio or expensive gear So next week our episode is all about niching down so many people have asked me how to find a niche. How do I niche down? Or, or they have this lie that they tell themselves that if they niche down, they're gonna lose money. And I'm here to tell you that that is not the case. And I'm excited for next week's episode because it's gonna be enlightening for a lot of people. And it's gonna be extremely helpful for those of you who have no specific niche that they're a part of. If you are a generalist, if you try to speak to everyone, you're gonna to speak to absolutely no one. So stay tuned for next week's episode, which will be out next Tuesday. Until next time, Happy hustling.